Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Deepwater Podcast. This week, Dave was not able to get together with me, and... You know, all things considered, considering the fact that when we started this podcast, he had just had a newborn baby, or actually, technically, his wife had the baby, but they had a newborn baby. I'd say he's done a great job sticking around with this and making time for this. If you're one of our listeners who happens to know Dave personally, go ahead and reach out to him and just let him know how much you appreciate him, because I sure do. Today, for our episode... I wanted to talk about a subject, just a misconception that we have about disciple-making. In fact, I want to talk about four different misconceptions that we have, mainly driving from the passage in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission from whence we get the command to go and make disciples. I think it's fair to say that if we consider the command, the Great Commission, to be one of Jesus' most important commands, then it's probably also fair to say that the enemy, Satan, would consider it one of his most important priorities to attack that command and to keep us from obeying that command. Would you agree with me on that? Now, with some commands, I think Satan just says, says, hey, don't do that one. Like, let's take love your enemies. Satan's like, that's crazy. Don't do that. And we're sometimes like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. But with other commands, like, what are we going to say against making disciples? Oh, I don't want to do that. There's no real reason to do that. And so what I think Satan does, it's not that he tells us not to do it. It's that he begins to slowly change the meaning of it so that eventually when we say we're making disciples or what we think of as making disciples or what we think of as obeying the Great Commission is not anywhere near what Jesus intended when Jesus said, go and make disciples. To give you an example, let's say that you're an army and that you have a command to march east and attack eastward. If an enemy was super clever, and let's say there was no way they knew they could, if you came that way, there was no way they could beat you, the best and most obvious attack would be if they could get you to change directions. Now, that's relatively hard. But what if they somehow could hack into your GPSs, mess with your compasses a little bit, and not just suddenly turn you south instead of going east? What if they could just slowly, one degree at a time, change your direction until eventually you were going south, but you felt like you were going east. And I think that's a little bit of what uh, Satan has done with us as a church in regards to the command to make disciples. He's slowly changed what that meaning means for us, or we've allowed him to do that. And one of the things I'm most grateful for is that in the last few years, uh, God sent some people to help me understand that better. And I'm really thankful that there's slowly getting to be more churches that are beginning to say, hey, wait a minute, we're not following the command like Jesus said so. And so they're beginning to do that. So today I want to talk about four misconceptions that we have about Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Now you probably know Matthew 28, 19 through 20, we know is the Great Commission and it says... Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So the first misunderstanding that we have with this is often, and it's that we misunderstand this command to mean the command is to go. I've heard it preached. I've probably even said it. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 28, go, you got to go somewhere and share the gospel. And we lump those two together. 
Oh, yeah, the Great Commission. You mean about telling the gospel to everybody. Well, the gospel is good. We need to tell them, but that's not what the command says. And the command is actually not to go. Now, we get that uh, misunderstanding from our English translation. In English, it sounds like, therefore, go and make disciples. But if you look in the original languages, the go is actually a participle, whatever that means. But what it means, people smarter than me say, it would be more better translated, as you are going, make disciples. Like, of course you're going to be going. As you're going about your life, as you're going from this place to that place, I want you to make disciples. And this is kind of a bonus one. I didn't include this one in. So let's say misunderstanding 1A is that the command, we say, oh, it's to share the gospel. We need to tell people about the gospel. Well, that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say go and share the good news. He said go and make disciples. He didn't say go and tell people about things. He said go and change people into something. Make them into a disciple. And the truth of that is that the command in there, the major command in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, is make disciples. So what does that command mean, to make disciples? How do you make disciples? How do you make someone into a disciple? We'll talk about that a little bit today, but I hope that's what this whole podcast is about. And I hope that as you hear the things we talk about, as you hear us hear the stories of different people that we interview, that you pick up and you begin to understand, and that you go back to Scripture and begin to say, okay, what did Jesus mean when he said, make disciples? There's a reason Jesus chose those two words. Why did he choose them? What do they mean? How do we obey it? And that goes to the second misunderstanding. And this is the uh, misunderstanding about the word make disciple. And the misunderstanding is this, that transferring knowledge is discipleship. There's lots of people that refer to, oh yeah, we have discipleship on Sunday evening at so 6 o'clock. And what they're talking about is we have classes at Sunday evening at 6 o'clock and we call that discipleship. Or someone will say, oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I preach to 100 people and make disciples every, every Sunday or every Wednesday, whatever day you want to do. But it's this idea that if we transfer knowledge to somebody, we are therein making a disciple. If only they knew the right things, they would be a disciple. They'd be a better disciple. It's all about knowledge. And we see this more and more as, in some ways, as our clergy gets more educated, which is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. But you see more people attempting to preach in Greek or, or use Greek or use Hebrew, go back to the original languages, which is not a bad thing necessarily. But the problem is, is if, those, if that additional knowledge that we gain, if it doesn't help us obey something, then we're not really making disciples. And in this day and age, let's face it, we have access to the best preachers at any time in history, other than when Jesus physically walked the earth. That's the only time that somebody, some people on the earth had access to a better preacher. But I can get on YouTube, I can get on, let's just use YouTube, I can find whoever you consider to be the greatest preacher, the most uh, educational teacher, the guy with the most understanding, whether that's of ancient Hebrew culture, whether that's Greek history, whether that's the actual Greek and Hebrew original languages, whether it's a guy who's filled with the Holy Spirit and able to impart the word truthfully in a way that's impactful, like whoever that is, we have access to him. I can get on YouTube and I can listen to the best sermons and I can get the best teachings and I can get on the computer and I can get access to the greatest commentaries ever written. I mean, I have access to all the knowledge that you can almost imagine. And yet, as a church, we do not see... What we see is our, our church in the West, we're in a decline. We have less and less influence. We have more and more people who grew up in the church that are leaving the church. 
what it comes down to is that we are not making disciples because transferring knowledge is not discipleship. There is, of course, a place for knowledge. Nobody wants ignorant Christians. And if you look in Second Peter, first chapter, and he's given this list of things you need to add, he says, therefore, to your goodness, add knowledge. But he doesn't stop there. He continues on, and to your knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Because if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a place for knowledge, but it's a place, in that verse, it's a place of one of eight different things. We need to grow in knowledge, but knowledge isn't everything. We have far too many people in our churches who have tons of knowledge. Man, they know way too many things. They know all the right answers, and they are the right answers. But they're not obeying those commands. And that's the truth. The truth is, is what Jesus said, listen to it again. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey, that is what's discipleship. It doesn't do any good to know information if you're not going to obey it. Which, of course, brings the question, how do you teach somebody to obey? It's a little harder than it is just to teach knowledge. Teaching knowledge is easier. You can, tra- you can find smart people. You can transfer knowledge there. Great. But how do you teach them to obey? I think of two different circumstances in my life where I was taught to obey. The first one and the most applicable for most of us is in childhood. Our parents taught us to obey. And how did they do that? Well, they had a standard. They were with us all the time, or practically so. And we, we didn't obey. They taught us to obey, usually with some sort of discipline, some sort of consequence. We were taught, no, when mom and dad say that, you have to obey it. Sometimes with a little swat to my hind tail end when I didn't. And the other time, when I think of a time I was taught to obey, it would be in the army. You know, it wasn't like, hey, do you guys mind taking this road march and going over here? It was filled with some profanities and said, you better, you know, get over there right now. And we didn't say, well, I'll think about it. Oh, that's a, that's a great understanding. No, we said, yes, sir. And if we didn't, they taught us to obey through some sort of discipline. Did a lot of push-ups. Did a lot of flutter kicks. Did a lot of other exercises. Now, in Christ, we probably can't make our people we're discipling do push-ups. Would that we could. Boy, we'd give them a workout. But in Christ, we can teach them to obey. And really, one of the greatest analogies for making disciples is parenting. And what we're really talking about doing is raising spiritual children. Raising someone up spiritually in the Lord and teaching them to obey. And so some of that, while it's not the same as when I raise my children, it is. It's that life on life. It's that time together. Discipling someone takes time. It takes energy. And it takes being willing to have a harder conversation and say, hey, listen, you're not obeying this. I think it's also important that when we're sitting down with somebody or a small group of people and we're discipling them, the focus has to come back into obedience. How are we going to obey what we studied today? If we believe that this is the Word of God, how are we going to change our life to reflect this? And then it's checking back and saying, okay, well, we said last week that we needed to change this in our life in order to obey it. Did we do it? And if that becomes a focus, then people, people will figure out, oh, this is what's important. 
You know, I've worked for about three different large bureaucracies in my life. And with all large bureaucracies, there's all kinds of rules. But after a while, you figure out like, okay, these are the ones, they really mean this. Boy, you break this rule, they will come on, come down on you like a hammer. But these rules, they're just rules. Nobody really cares. You check the block and you go on. What we emphasize, the way we teach, is it all about knowledge? Is when I sit down with you, am I only concerned about putting knowledge in your head? Am I lecturing to you as the expert? Or am I asking questions? Am I asking you how you're going to obey? Am I teaching you to look at the Bible yourself and find things to obey in there? And then am I checking in that did you obey that? If I do that, I may not do it perfect, but I'm moving towards teaching you to obey. And another part of that is sharing my life. I can't tell you to obey if I'm not going to obey myself. And it doesn't mean I have to be perfect. And when I mess up, I need to confess and repent and get back and and obey. And another important thing that we teach them in regards to obedience is you're not going to obey in your own power. Like we need God to transform us. It's the power of the gospel to save us. It's the power of the gospel to change us. Second misunderstanding, transferring knowledge is discipleship. The truth is teaching them to obey. That's discipleship. And that brings us to the next misunderstanding. And this understanding is that, that making disciples is an advanced skill. Only preachers make disciples, or only people who have been to the seminary make disciples, or only educated people, only those who have been in church for 20 years make disciples. No, the truth is, is that making disciples is one of the most primary things we do as a Christian. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.11, he said basically, paraphrased, paraphrased, follow me as I follow Christ. So if I learn something about Christ today, I can share that, walk with you in that tomorrow. If today I learn that Jesus loved me and that he saved me and that he can save me from my sins and redeem my life, I can share that with somebody tomorrow or tonight. And if today I learn that Jesus said to make disciples, I can begin obeying and trying to do that tomorrow with somebody else. And if I learn that Jesus said, come to me, everyone who's weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. If I learn that and I learn like, man, I need to start giving my burdens to Jesus, I can share that with somebody else tomorrow. Again, part of the reason for this misunderstanding is that making disciples is not about transferring knowledge. There is a knowledge involved. Like today I learned this, but I don't have to be an expert to teach you. I don't have to know all the Greek to share that with you. I don't have to know all the Hebrew to share it with you. I can teach you what I'm learning and we can work on it together. And that's disciple making. And yeah, it does help when you've walked out a little bit longer and you can share from a little bit more experience. Absolutely makes more difference. But you don't have to be there. A brand new Christian can begin making disciples. Would I recommend they make disciples all by themselves? No. I would recommend, of course, that they're being discipled as well and that you, as the person who's discipling them, is helping them to disciple someone else. And as long as they're willing to say, you know, I don't know that answer. Let's go find out. They can make disciples. And his command is to make disciples. So quit putting it off or quit thinking you're not worthy. And that is a big thing. We think, well, I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. That's okay. Just be obedient. And when you don't know something, say, you know, I don't know that. Let's go, let's go ask my preacher. I don't know that. Let's go ask this. Or I don't know. Let's go, let's go find out where in the Bible it talks about this. It's not about knowing everything. It's sure not about being perfect. Jesus was the only perfect disciple maker. You can do it. Saddle your horse, 
hop on, learn what you can, and you'll make some mistakes. But eventually, you'll start making some progress. And the more progress you make, the more it'll take you back to Christ and your dependence on Him. The more it'll take you back to the Word of God, and you'll read it with fresh eyes because you're trying to teach someone else to obey that. So good. So that brings us to the fourth misunderstanding. And this one, boy, it's a... I'm going to say it's an American problem. Maybe it's everywhere, but since I know America pretty good, let's just leave it at that. And the misunderstanding is this, is that you can make lots of disciples at the same time. That's the American story. Like, let's figure out how what I'm doing with 10, I can take and and streamline it and specialize, and I'll do it with 100. And then we'll streamline and specialize. We'll get some new systems, and we'll do it with 1,000. We're dreamers. We're improvers. We're going to be efficient. However... There's some things you can't improve on, and one of the things you can't improve on is Jesus and his methods. Let's think about this. Jesus primarily discipled 12 men. Don't you think we're a little foolish to think that we can disciple more than 12 at a time? Now, you might disciple more than 12 in your lifetime. Jesus did 12 in three years. One of them was a failure, and 11 were quite successful. And he had some other people that were in and around there. But primarily, Jesus set his ministry set the development of the church with his power on the shoulder of 11 men that he had walked with, down the road with, talked with, answered questions, shared stories, shown his power to. He set all of it on them. That's the model he chose. And no matter how cool we think we are, no matter how much smarter and more sophisticated and how much more technology we have now, in the end, you can only disciple a few people. And again, and this goes back to that misunderstanding about knowledge. It's not about knowing knowledge. Man, if all we needed was people to know knowledge, I mean, let's get the smartest teacher. Let's line them up, Genesis through Revelation, have them teach through it all. Let's get everybody and we'll we'll put it on speed listen where they can listen at one and a half times. And we'll just run them through everything and and they'll know it and, and we'll all be great. That's not the truth. You have to teach them to obey and Truthfully, is it just takes a lot of time and energy to disciple somebody. It's kind of like most of us can't raise 12 kids. Certainly can't raise 100 kids. Most of us are, I'm struggling with three. You know, because it takes time and it takes energy and I have questions and it wearies me out. And and I sometimes I, I still don't get enough time with each kid that I need with only three daughters. Well, discipling is the same. It takes time. It takes energy. Think about how much time Jesus spent with his 12 hours and days and months and years. And Jesus could have done the big multiplicative thing, right? He could have drawn the crowds, but that's not what he chose. He discipled 12 men. And so even if you're in a position where you're teaching or you're preaching to a lot of people, you have to understand that you're not discipling them, okay? You're teaching them, you're encouraging them, you're challenging them, but it's not discipleship. Go back and look in your Gospels. How many times did Jesus, after he had taught the crowd, either pull his disciples aside and explain to them what he meant, or his disciples would come afterwards and say, man, what did you mean by that? And I, for one, I'm really grateful that they did, because there's a number of parables that if all I had was that parable, I'd be scratching my head. Man, Jesus, what were you talking about? And thankfully, the disciples asked that question, and he explained it, and so I can have a much better understanding of it. Jesus could have drawn the crowds. He did draw the crowds, but that's not what he told us to do, and it's not what he modeled. He didn't say, go and preach to everybody in the world, at least not in the Great Commission. What he said was, go and make 
disciples of all nations. And boy, there's lots of challenges there. We could throw in some other misconceptions. Maybe one of them is that we can just hang out here in America. And maybe if you're a real strategic, you can. Uh, We had an interview with Kurt on here earlier, and he's very much engaged with all nations, but doing it from the middle of America, but being strategic about reaching out and going through some of those uncomfortable cultural and language situations in order to try to reach all nations. So here again, the four truths are the command is to make disciples and that we have to teach them to obey. Teaching obedience to what we know is discipleship. Teaching knowledge is not. Third one, making disciples is the primary thing we do. It's a basic task, one of the most basic tasks. And there's some good reasons for that. I won't say a lot about it, but just real quickly, when you have someone that just believed, they have way more access into their lost friends than you do. If you think you're going to pull them out of all those friendships, teach them knowledge for two or three years, and then send them back in, you're not going to get those same results. But if you, along together with them, will go into that group of people, and you will have them teach what they know, and you'll walk them through as they learn to follow Jesus, and they can share that with their friends, you'll have a tremendous impact. And the fourth truth, Jesus primarily discipled 12 men. We're foolish to think we can disciple more. So I encourage you, take these truths and go forward in them. Start applying them. And again, don't try to be perfect, but move forward. Try something and find out it doesn't work. That's okay. Try something else. Listen to some of the things. There's some great resources on here. If you have a question or you don't know where to start, man, give me a call. Send me an email. I would be more than happy to help direct you, guide you in some, in some directions. Technology is not the end-all, be-all, but if you feel like, man, there's no one around here that could get me started, maybe we can do something on Skype. Anyway, the sky's the limit, but let's, let's start doing it. Hey, I appreciate you guys listening with me today. I hope this is a challenge and encouragement to you. This week, I'd love for you to find a friend that is following Jesus and talk with them a little bit about what it would look like to make disciples. If you learned some things today, share that with them and see if you can begin moving in that direction of intentional disciple making. Love you guys, and until I see you next time, go and make disciples.